You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that has no love for dogs of the military. This is Season 6, Episode 4, covering the path to the Cathedral ship in Xenosaga Episode 1 for the PS2. I am your host, Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him. With me today is... Fletcher, the dude who's going to correct you that this is Cathedral Ship, not the Cathedral Ship. That's a thing later. I hate that. And Ryan Beatty, my pronouns are they, them. Uh, I'm Kyle Thompson. My pronouns are he, him. What happened last time? So I think that last episode we were introduced to Ziggy and Momo as Ziggy broke Momo out of prison in a UTIC organization asteroid ship. Um, and he was doing that on behalf of her stepmom to get some Y data. She's a realian also. Her actual mom. The the prison planet was called a uh, Pleroma, not for any reason other than they want you to know that they know about Gnosticism. Oh, also, importantly, last episode, Cosmos, Shion, and Alan all boarded the Elsa and got passage through Cosmos's threats and Shion's threats, honestly, to second Milsha. I love, we didn't bring it up, but I love the sick sound system that the Elsa has. I don't know what else that's supposed to be other than <laughs> enormous speakers. You've got so much bass. It's so much bass going on in the Elsa. You can't turn it up too loud or you blow out the back window, except the back window vents you into space this time. <laughs> well, the, the weird thing is we learned that the Elsa used to be a luxury cruiser, which is like, okay... But then why are there enormous woofers in the cockpit or on the bridge? Like, I get that it's a luxury cruiser, but why are there luxury features for the bridge? I can actually give you an answer for that if you'd like. Oh, nice. Uh, it's because those are aftermarket mods that Matthews put in. They mentioned that... He is a giant fan of idol concerts, and sometimes oh, he does yeah. have to settle for watching them holographically. That's right. That's right. They do. So we're still running around with Xion toting a plate of curry in one hand, which is hilarious because it means if you use her destroy button command, it just seems to come out of the curry right now. She doesn't animate the gun. You can go down ladders with it, and she still leans her upper body forward like 30 degrees and does a full sprint while holding it. <laughs> yep. The best thing is when you use the destroy command and Xion's hair blows backwards and it's like the curry is just pristine. I was joking off air, but I seriously think that some kind of nano machine based heating is why that stays so intact and spicy. It has to because it takes so long to go across the Elsa. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It takes two minutes in turbo mode at 300 percent. I feel bad for you. I played this on original hardware, and this is so poorly organized because later in the episode, Shion gives a tour of the Elsa to Ziggy and Momo, and it's like, why didn't I get the tour describing what the different parts of the ship were when I was first exploring the bloody ship? <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's also the part where you can walk in on an electrified floor and you are clearly in pain the whole time and it takes so long. <laughs> yeah, the Elsa has some less than legal modification. But the safety door only works from one side. Look, it's safety for some and danger for others. 
Yeah, this was a luxury cruise liner. You had to keep people in the below deck down if something was going wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, it's a luxury cruise liner that has a grand total of eight bunks and they're all extremely close together in two rooms, which is great. That's that's living in luxury. No, I've seen my partners play Elite Dangerous. That tracks. <laughs> yeah. I will say about the exploration on the Elsa, like, this is probably something you've covered before on the show, but the lack of ambient music on the Elsa hurts this section so much because you're just walking around clang, clang, clang with your, like, Metal Gear Solid 1 camera perspective, uh, super zoomed in because the PS2 can't handle polygons. And it's very boring because there's no music to keep you going. Yeah, in my brain, this game had less music than it does, but that's because I forgot how many tracks they make for cutscenes to try not to reuse those, and the rest of the game suffered. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's that's 100% the case. They probably should have had a secondary composer who was like doing the in- interstitial music. I'm glad they re- multi- reused the worst song on the soundtrack multiple times, which is that like hangout jam. <laughs> <laughs> I've got notes about the hangout jam uh, in a little bit because I fucking love the hangout jam and I will not hear slander against it. I'm not going to lie. It's so bad. I'm thinking about using it for an ad in the back. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, so if you while you're exploring, if you look at a random couch in the second lounge, you'll find the disarm key, um, which is handy. This will unlock a mobile bridge in basement two, which contains a segment key and some nice loot. There is a uh, cleaner robot downstairs down in the hangar that mentions that they dropped the disarm key upstairs in one of the lounges, but there's no like sparkly icon. You just kind of have to uh, press the interact button over and over in those big lounges until you find it. You got to hump the couch and push X. Rounding out the Elsa exploration section, you can also go talk to the robot bartender now for the card passport. It allows you to play the card game uh, at any of the save points. With an EVS, so really only just the one. Right. I believe this section is also the first point where you can play any of the mini games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You could have had the fighting game earlier, if I remember. But you need to access the EVS to play it. Um. But you had the ability to do that for some earlier UMN dives, so. Okay. So you're right on a technicality then, Fletcher. You've had the ability, it's just nobody thinks to earlier. You're either going back to look for more treasure or you're not touching these at all. Right. The card game is cool. Well, the rules of the card game are cool, but it is missing uh, some quality of life features present in modern card games, such as auto-skipping phases where you have nothing to do. I think this is the weakest minigame in the Xenosaga trilogy. It's not worse than that fucking awful robot fighting game. The shittiest version of Virtual On that it's ever existed. <laughs> this is the worst big minigame in the Xenosaga trilogy. So depending on your perspective, this game is either made better or worse by the fact that it's the best way to grind money in the game. Yeah, that's my experience from like back in the early 2000s when I played this the first time was like, oh, yeah, actually, like I just remember spending hours sitting there 
playing the card game in order to grind cash for, you know, eggs, parts and stuff. I don't know, man. I hit up Pleroma again, went all the way to the control room and all the way back and then had enough money to upgrade everything this time. And then I got really mad later when I got to the cathedral ship and then had to skip uh, reload from a save point. Because it turns out that uh, buying a new frame does not heal you the amount of the increased maximum <laughs> HP. Yep. Yeah. So you go from 300 to a max of 1300, but only have 300 HP. Ugh. Wow. Fuck off. Pretty sure I'm going to need these for this dungeon. <laughs> the oh, yeah. of replaying that you specifically, Chris, have had to do for this season is so tragic to me because of all of the broken save points and then also all of the poorly signaled uh, mechanics and menus and shit. It just it, this game is a slog in the moment to moment anyway and the fact that you've had to do certain sequences like three fucking times at this point my heart goes out to you i'm on run five where's my sympathy yeah but you're doing it for the lore you're doing it for the fucking lore everyone told you not to fuck off <laughs> someone had to for notes not five times you're like one of those guys who shoots their own dick off in the facebook group and then pity posts about it <laughs> fuck off I will have you know that if I shoot my dick off, it will be deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. Yes. Speaking briefly about the slog, just super, super quick. Um, I do still love how many rewards for exploring the game does put into every single gameplay section, be it town or enemy list ship or dungeon. Uh, it just really sucks to do that explore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like. Again, this comes down to the ultra zoomed in camera, the lack of music. Uh, I think Shion's movement speed is actually not that bad. Uh, but uh, and even the load times between areas aren't that bad. But it is that fact that like you just can't really see where you're going very well. And then you're just accompanied by this existential dread silence uh, everywhere you go. So on the movement speed. Normally, it is completely okay. I agree with you, but uh -huh. I can't wait until we get to the part in the final dungeon where if you want to close out the segment address quest, you will have to get in a robot, blow something up, go with the robot to a disembark point, run on foot as a human, climb down into the robot area, and get past a gap that you blew open that is too small for robots, and then backtrack to the robot. That is the most Xenosaga shit I've ever heard of. And guess what? You're at human scale in a robot area, so get ready for traversal. Damn. Yep. I guarantee there was someone on the design team who was like, this will be so cool, because it like highlights the difference in scale between a robot and a human. And I think the thing it gives you is to close out one of the major side quests of the game from memory. Lovely. Yep. So let's get back to the plot. Chaos sneaks in on Cosmos's charging station and wonders, it's nice to meet you. Where are you truly, though? Cherenkov then walks in and is like, huh, this is weird. I smell someone opened the door, but Chaos has, like, ported past him to slip out. Cherenkov then has a flashback because he was at the original activation test that went wrong, too. He also watched a bunch of men die, and also he was the cause of the whole thing because he was storming the place for Utik. So 
they tried to activate and or steal Cosmos. She did not perform the spec and proceeded to go full exorcist murder bot, leaping from victim to victim, crawling along walls and murdering scientists and terrorists alike. So this exorcist murder bot freakout is a very, very ghost in the shell and all of the crawling and leaping. It's really effective at othering Cosmos and making her seem monstrous. It's so gross. It's, it's really unsettling and uncomfortable. I think the thing is, is that the head is jittering back and forth at a much higher frame rate than everything else in the cutscene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which that's yeah. something that specifically feels very, very ghost in the shell to me. Yeah. Also, briefly, rain effects on the PS2 can make even Xenosaga look moody. And I'm always a fan of when I see rain effects on a PS2 game. PS2 got that like thick jizz rain like like the <laughs> cursed rain in the pc version of 13 2 <laughs> <laughs> i mean it yeah it's it's so famous for a Gear solid 2 right yeah yeah um, exactly yeah yeah i think it was like the ps2 is really really good at like doing motion blur and also doing like multiple layers of alpha textures they just really took advantage of that wherever they could mm -hmm. rain tracing. <laughs> yeah rain tracing actually rain tracing tech uh there is one other thing to say about this uh cutscene actually is that uh we do see cherenkov get his orders from a mysterious man in a hood in the rain on uh what looks to be maybe like fifth jerusalem i think for anyone on a replay, you will absolutely know who this is. Otherwise, it's just important to note that there is a mysterious man giving orders to Tarenkov. And we still don't have the full picture of what happened during this activation test, because the last thing we see is Cherenkov nearly dies under a mechanical Cosmos's hand, but a gunship saves him, possibly. It comes in, opens fire on her, and she proceeds to just nuke it with a laser that goes through it and goes so wide it takes out a major facility in the distance. It's extremely cool. Yeah, and that's where Most we cut away. Most is the best. Maybe sentient murder bots shouldn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> this series is very big on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can explore a little more, and if you get to the maintenance room... Cherenkov will pull a gun on Xion before catching himself as you go into the next cutscene. Her only response to this is to bag on her brother because, you know, I know a guy who owns a sword and he just will not shut up about it. I get it. Xion's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I know sword guys. I'm related to all of them. <laughs> this is just uh, wild. Also, like, <laughs> her response to that is like, He's like, oh, I just hold a gun all the time. It's a nervous habit from when I was in the military. She's like, oh, that seems fine. Yeah, right. Not like <laughs> maybe people in the military should be holding a gun 24 seven. That doesn't seem correct. <laughs> yeah, there's also like a line where I feel like either the translation or the original, right? Because I haven't watched this in the Japanese, but where he, he says he's like a soldier. This is like a soldier habit. And then Xion's like a soldier. And you know, this is actually significant to Cherenkov's character and it's like foreshadowing, but it so does not land. Metal Gear. <laughs> A soldier. Yeah, 
Also, I, I do love Xion just thanking Cherenkov for cheering her up about Virgil getting shot by Cosmos, I think. All he did was say, hey, sometimes logic and reason kills people. And she's like, oh, thanks so much. That's so helpful. Also, this is one of those things where you can definitely imagine Alan has said this to her before and she brushed it off. But because this is a not Alan person, she's like, oh, that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Alan. I feel so bad for Alan. <laughs> you know, he's he's the sad sack of this game for sure. So, you know, they have a little scene where, yeah, Cherenkov and Shion are talking over a sleeping Cosmos. And then suddenly we hard cut to Area 66. Ziggy and Momo have temporarily lost their pursuers, but this is where he has to break it to this kid. Um, we're not going to see your mom. <laughs> Which... She just presumed they were. She was setting in a course to go visit Fifth Jerusalem. And he's like, we got to go to Second Milsha. I got orders. We then see uh, Julia Mizrahi, who gives us an exposition heavy scene, informing us that Momo is to be, quote, opened up Ooh, to unlock the Y data that will return old Milsha to real space. Uh, we also find out here that UTIC used to be the Mizrahi Cerebral Science Research Center, and uh, some random teen genius was his assistant. And that assistant is lead number two if they can't get the information they need from Momo. We do not know who this person is yet. It's likely that this kid is now a vector scientist because who is funding the uh, Cerebral Research Center? It was Vector. Then they let it slip out that, oh, the original Zohar is also locked away in Old Milsha. And then we hard cut back to the Elsa. Our next mission is to check out a weird reading on the catapult deck. Something is going on. We see it sparking, but Xion misses it because she just goes, eh, computer says it's fine. Oh, uh, this is the worst. Like, you just spend this huge amount of time wandering around in silence on the Elsa trying to find Cherenkov. And then they're like, Oh, yeah, come up to the bridge. We have something to discuss. You come up to the bridge. They're like, go down to the catapult deck. And you're just like, no. <laughs> like, I just traversed all this bullshit. You could have told me over the PA. And then you have to go right back. Yeah. Fast travel would do so much for the Elsa. Like, maybe just a couple points. Cabins, lower decks, bridge. That's it. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's no Normandy. You know, it is just not as cool to explore as the Normandy would be later on. You get the sense that those ships are meant to be about the same scale, but they put a lot more effort into making the Normandy flow. Mm hmm. Uh, so we now have a cutscene begin. Shion bullies her way into keeping Cosmos for longer. Uh, so this is her talking to the big shots at uh, Vector who are saying, yeah, just like bring in uh, Cosmos and hand her over to the second division and that'll be fine. And Xion is like, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> you know, just I want to speak to your manager uh, about this. She talks to her boss the way I talk to my boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love how Shia just does not take bullshit from anyone it is one of her best character traits. So this is, I guess, like partially about uh, Shia wanting to uh, run further diagnostics because like 
Cosmos is just operating out of her own volition and not really listening to Xion, and this is concerning her a lot for obvious reasons. Um, and then also just partially being attached to Cosmos as her, like, sister sort of figure. Well, that's what it is, right? It's like having mommy feelings for something that is, in fact, a product that does not belong to you. Yeah, absolutely. But she's also right that it should not be turned over to Vector for production yet because it's acting fucking spooky. So, yeah, it's like she can't let go. But also she's right in this one instance. Yeah, I think it's in this section that she on first says like she has like maternal feelings for Cosmos, but then's like, no, maybe I think about her more as a sister. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's both things, right? That's the motivations are both there. Uh yeah, and then uh we we learn that Alan is so put upon and nobody noticed he was dead. So it's like uh, Shion is here talking to, I think, Miyuki back at Vector HQ. And Miyuki's like, oh, Shion, you're so hot. Like, everyone back at Vector HQ was really worried about you being dead, which suggests that the <laughs> Vector employees are not really the best co-workers. And then Alan's like, what about me? And, and Miyuki's like, oh, sorry, Alan, I didn't notice you there. I didn't notice you were gone. And is like, I guess it's nice you're alive. I mean, whatever. You're not hot, so uh, we don't care about you, actually. And he's just like, you know, literally slumped over extreme sad sack hours for Alan. What does Alan even do? It seems like his entire job is to manage Xion. Manage Xion pretty much, yeah. Yeah, like he's like he takes over some command jobs like when she's in the encephalon but otherwise he's pretty much just there to take care of Xion. for what it's worth this hasn't come up much yet but alan is the second in command by virtue of being pretty friggin talented we just haven't seen him do much without Xion right in front of him yeah 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 like alan is not actually useless at all he's just he has no social presence whatsoever my man can handle an assault rifle just fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he's pretty competent. If Xenosaga came out eight years later, Alan would have a huge, huge fandom on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, uh, the next cutscene links our parties up as Ziggy's pursuit crosses past with the Elsa in hyperspace. Yeah, so the, the Elsa is traveling through hyperspace Ziggy and Momo are also traveling through hyperspace and Momo is like the best pilot and they're being pursued by Utic. So the Elsa tries to stay out of it uh, as per Ziggy's warning, like, you know, we're engaged with uh, pursuers, uh, try to avoid the battle. But when uh, the Utic crafts catch Elsa in, the, in their line of fire, uh, Matthews immediately goes, any enemy of theirs is a friend of mine and begins blasting craft left and right. Tony gets extremely stoked by the sick moves of the small craft, which is setting up a joke for later in uh, this uh, episode. Yep. Um, so yeah, Momo is like an amazing pilot. Uh, Ziggy's just handling the weapons. She proceeds to perform the sickest move, uh, skimming his craft along the hyperspace tunnel to create a wake which destroys more fighters. 
And I believe Tony has a line that is almost equivalent to now this is pod racing. Hell yeah. Very close. Yeah. <laughs> I think he does straight up say now that's some piloting. I, I think he says now that's drifting or something like that. He calls him a true wave rider. Yeah, uh, yeah. If only Alan was the pilot, then it could be he creates the Alan's wake. <laughs> <sighs> if only, Chris. If only, if only. One lucky shot later, the small craft is damaged and the Elsa just pulls it inside the cargo bay. And by pulls it inside, I mean they open the cargo bay and then it just kind of crashes into there. And as a result of that, the catapult deck locks up because of the computer problem you walked for 20 minutes to look at but not fix. <laughs> and it can't be closed. So enemies get inside, flooding the ship. <laughs> It's worth noting the entire hyperspace chase sequence felt very Idion inspired to me. Also, it totally ruled. I really like when Xion used the clamp to clamp the Elsa right as they were about to get pulled into the walls of hyperspace and get destroyed. Also, absolutely is hilarious to me that Ziggy and Momo were giving their it's better to die a noble death this is it speeches when they barely know each other uh because the elsa was in trouble until she unclamped him yeah i mean this is a great cutscene, and again people who dunk on xeno saga for being a bunch of cutscenes seem to miss out on the part that the cutscenes are actually pretty damn good <laughs> Uh, so I, I think this is like you know a great piece of evidence for how good it is and i love that i think it's like later on in this episode uh when they're talking about Xion picking up the uh ship with the crane she's like oh yeah i learned i learned how to use a crane from that crane mini game back on the walk linda <laughs> i do love that that's plot relevant more than once it is very funny that you do like one little crane mini game and then it's like now i can pluck things out of hyperspace i want the last boss to be the drilling mini game <laughs> um at this point the hangar is infested with small troops and they're trying to call reinforcements ziggy and momo are pinned down in the catapult deck cosmos Xion, and chaos set off to help alan and alan is dispatched to find charenkov and get him to safety Fun fact, now that the Elsa has transformed into a dungeon, all of the destructible items have been restocked. So blow them up again for double the loot. Another fun fact, uh, whoever is set as the party leader will, de will determine dialogue when many cutscenes, like activating the floor defenses, go off. Chaos says, ah, time to implement the captain's plan. Whereas That's pretty good chaos. Thank you. Whereas Cosmos intuits this thing has the ability due to checking schematics in her sleep. I forgot to check Xion. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't take note on what Xion said. Xion was my party leader, but I just didn't pay attention. Yeah, that's my way of just pointing out uh, whoever you like most, make sure they're the main character. It's Junior. Junior is the coolest. Cosmos, baby. <laughs> what if I was the chaotic answer and said chaos was my favorite? Halfway into this dungeon, you will swap parties to Ziggy and Momo and begin fighting your way up the ship. Unlike Xion and Chaos, these two do not have giant robots, so the battle is a little tighter for the moment. Eventually, though, you meet up the two groups and you can finally choose your own party. 
I went Chaos, Xion, and Ziggy because the mechs mean that everyone can be durable, and Ziggy has a lightning element attack, which the mecha are weak to. The mecha are also weak to the incredibly high stats that Cosmos has, so I just brought her instead of Ziggy. Yeah, same. I went uh, Cosmos, Ziggy, and Momo because I put Momo in the back row with her anti-mechanical spell that just causes them to miss turns. Uh, It's pretty dope. Damn, as a person who is refusing to grind once in this game, I'm missing out on all of Momo's cool ether abilities so far. I only have sleep and heal. I just dumped all my ether items into Momo. Mm-mm. I dumped them all into Cosmos because all of her shit is so expensive. I'll give you a tip. At least level Momo up enough for, I forget the name of the skill, but she has one of the only healing skills in the game that can affect Aegis. Damn. Oh, and then you can transfer it off to, like, Chaos or whatever, since Chaos is already a healer. Yep. So, after a little bit more exploration, we reach the boss, which is the Domo Carrier. This boss is incredibly varied in difficulty, depending on the RNG of the turn order. Oh, oh no, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, it, yes. it's going to lock in a pattern on its first turn, and whatever the roulette is at will now trigger a move called Tremor, which is a huge uh, AoE that affects everybody for massive damage. If the Tremor gets locked to the crit plus turn, it's going to be a nightmare for you. Also, this boss can heal 600 HP at a time, and it seems to be linked to certain HP thresholds of HP loss, and it's a very irritating gimmick. Uh, The healing element means that the battle can quickly turn into an attrition loop, and it also emphasizes that the eggs combat is hampered by not revolving around turn order manipulation. Um, so keeping Cosmos the second time I played this, cause I wiped the first time really helped because I managed to get her on boost up turns, which meant that I could interrupt the tremor quite a bit more. How exactly does the interrupt work? It's because you can anticipate the order in which things come up, right? Yes. Right. right. Okay. Well, on this, uh, boss fight, I got wiped the first time as well for like similar reasons. The second time, when I used Momo's anti-mechanical spell that causes the enemy to have a 50% chance of missing turns, it procced three times in a row. Holy shit. I just totally hit the jackpot and then rolled the boss. No problem. Yeah, this is straight up one of the most RNG-based bosses in this game. Well, even more so if you're depending on a 50% chance uh, that they just won't act. Yeah. (laughs) I absolutely steamrolled this boss. I did die the first time because uh, Tremor happened on crit turns the first time and uh, everybody just died immediately on the first turn of the encounter. But after that, this is when I found out that the amount of boost you get is not tied to the number of actions you take. You do not get more boost for having six AP. It's that you get more boost when you do a six AP move. They can be um, done every turn. So you get an incredible amount of boost. And then by uh, using the boost, right, so that you always uh, do one of these on a boost turn, you get another boost and you just like degenerate loop the boss to death before it ever gets a second turn. (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't spent my uh, tech upgrade items yet. And so that wasn't really an option for me because I still didn't have enough uh, tech points to actually uh, invest in speed. 
I have to admit that I realized I do, in fact, do degenerate bullshit all the time when the other day I was playing Final Fantasy Tactics and I thought, you know, in this opening tutorial battle, if I do nothing but cast Tailwind, I can get 300 JP before the NPCs take care of the fight. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I'm saying I I don't (laughs) think that degenerate play is bad if you have fun with it and if it's your way to play games. It's still degenerate play, but I don't mean a negative connotation by that. Well, I'm just gonna look. I know the word that I'm using is degenerate. I get it, but like, you know, you do you. Have fun. <laughs> uh, after the fight, everyone meets up. Basically, the bridge crew of the Elsa is uh, squabbling with each other because of the repair costs they've incurred from the fight. And, you know, trying to pass the blame off on each other, worrying about how they're going to pay for all this. sharing hangout music in cutscenes in this game is this like jaunty little bossa nova number uh, and it's kind of a nothing song it's kind of it just rolls off the ears like nothing happens but the way that it's inserted immediately after really high drama space opera moments always makes me crack up like you know some shit blows up some dramatic thing happens Shion yells at someone uh, Cosmos blows something up and then all of a sudden you hear like Boom chat, boom chat, boom boom chat, boom chat, and everyone's just like hanging out with some drinks, and I love it. It is surprisingly like one of the worst pieces of music in a JRPG. <laughs> like it doesn't go with anything. I could not imagine a cutscene that this song would go to. <laughs> I mean, it kind of goes to when they're like hanging out eating curry. But okay, about maybe it. like the Persona 3 beach trip, but that's the only thing I could imagine. <laughs> okay, but this is actually a JRPG habit going back to the SNES era because bossa nova or chill jazzy beats in a bar or a cafe is a thing that is done so many times seriously go look at the soundtracks of games you remember i like to imagine captain matthews listening to this on the elsa speakers like chill beats to clean your 70 assault rifles (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you know you go to any cafe in japan and there's gonna be bossa nova it's just ubiquitous so i kind of get that you know, the, that that influence carries over to JRPGs. Um, another thing about the bridge scene uh, is that Xion walks in on the squabbling and is like, why don't you just charge it to Vector's account? And Matthews is like, uh, <laughs> like, you, why don't you just charge this to Jeff Bezos's uh, personal expense account. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> like, do you not have an HR department to look at that? <laughs> I cannot imagine a company where they're like, oh, one of our employees was involved in a shootout, a shootout that 
somebody else started, I guess we'll pay for them. Shion has a very different understanding of where money comes from and how much it's worth than these broke-ass uh, spacers. Yeah, also true. Yeah, that's super true. She works on Project Infinite Funding, so I'm sure she's done this five or six times. Gotta love that military-industrial complex, except it's all run by the uh, George Soros equivalent. Yeah, it's Space Raytheon, but owned yeah. by a lib. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once we start unraveling the actual structure of her bosses, this is going to be hilarious, as it's like, oh no. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. But we, yeah. we cannot talk about that now, but yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so in this conversation, Matthews knows about the UTIC organization, but his crew don't. Uh, and uh, yeah, so obviously he has some kind of history with UTIC, and he's really pissed off that they're involved. We also learned that the skimming move was all Momo, since she was controlling the flight and Ziggy had the guns. This greatly emasculates Tony. He's like, oh, no, I thought that those were the sickest moves and I was calling them out, but I was beaten by a small child. You know, the gender politics on board the Elsa are not the best. And uh, <laughs> Tony is no exception. Um, uh, Ziggy is cautioning uh, Momo to be coy about their destination of Fifth Jerusalem, uh, but she just kind of goes on about it. And uh, Shion catches on instantly to what she is and where they're going. There's an excellent line here, which is, it's okay, Cosmos is a government secret too. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> left at that. Since everyone's heading the same way, Matthews is pretty chill right now, knowing that he can double bill for it. But <laughs> yep. before they go to second Milsha, they're going to need to stop at the closest dock for repairs. As a result, Xion gets out to wander around again and introduce the cast to the new layout. Uh, excuse me, there's also a scene here where everyone's chilling having drinks to the, the Bossa Nova beats, and Cosmos is uh, working as the waitress. We've got more gendered labor for Cosmos here, <laughs> and I am honestly shocked. I am utterly shocked. I guess this is pre-DLC, but if this had been during the DLC era, there absolutely would have been a made costume for Cosmos. Uh, I need to check. There was a Japanese Final Mix style re-release of this game, and two things it added were a costume for Cosmos and a costume for Momo. I uh, don't know what those costumes were offhand. I think one is a swimsuit. swimsuit for Momo. I, no! I don't know for who. Someone mentioned one is a swimsuit. I can't find pictures of these. I, I, I assume the worst is all I can say. I suspect they're both fan servicey. I do find it interesting, like, just how ready everyone is to gender Cosmos. And, like, it's just so wild that, like, you know, the murder robot is walking around <laughs> serving drinks. And, and I think I think even the captain has a line like, oh, this broad's all right. <laughs> like, I don't think he literally says that, but something to that effect. Like, this Cosmos is all right. She serves me drinks. I will one day be divorced over a video game for this podcast, probably. <laughs> uh, I will also point out that some of this seems to be of Cosmos's own volition. Yes. She's washing the dishes while you're touring the crew around. Go and Shion's like, I'll help you. Cosmos is like, no, no, I got this. 
actually momo tries to help out and cosmos is uh just being cosmos being like that would reduce efficiency by 25 percent uh have this work underhand and like you know just not reading the room not catching on to the social dynamic here and then Xion complains that, like, she is, like, zenzen kawaikunai, you know, just... <laughs> Xion's pissed off that Cosmos is not listening to her, but even worse, Cosmos is not femme enough for her, or not soft enough for her. I believe the translation they go with is so not cute. Yeah, Which, yeah. yeah. It's not cute at all. Zenzen kawaikunai, she... Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but I do love the one-off line of dishwashing requires a rather fine adjustment of one's power output. <laughs> uh, after after everyone is as eaten and the dishes are being washed, we go on the tour and we find out that the Elsa was once a luxury space liner, which is why it looks so stylish inside for a junk hauler. Also of note, Xion has picked up the second hangar is probably illegally modified, but the captain's probably not going to tell us what this is for. Hold on to that for later. When you finish, Xion will go to rest and we immediately cut to Junior, our newest future party member. Hell yeah. He is tooling around in space at the remnants of the planet Margulis and co blew up earlier and goes, well, if this is weird... If a flare did this, there'd be particles, but there's just no planet and only a little bit of debris. Okay, so uh, Junior is uh, just, if you don't know what Junior looks like, you should go look up a picture of Junior because uh, he is ridiculous looking and I love him. He has a... <laughs> it's know. a powerful vibe. <laughs> Junior is 12-year-old me. Uh, it's... It's it's a yeah, it's a 12 year old redhead with a with a single dangly red earring, a black trench coat, and uh, he's really good at gun tricks. He like dives around doing like a gun foo. It's the best. He's doing John Woo moves. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. He's he's amazing. So he also has a uh, Kyo Kusanagi's uh, shirt from his like 2000 era redesign Hell. underneath his trench coat. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Junior's a lot. I would be remiss if I did not say that having a harem on your own starship and living out your gunslinger fantasies is some real uh, Mary Sue bullshit. <laughs> hey, look, this is the end game of true communism right here. Everyone can be Junior. <laughs> oh, my God. Finally, truly automated case space luxury communism. Junior's living it. <laughs> so, so speaking of which... This is also where we meet uh, Junior's lieutenants, Mary and Shelley, one of whom is a peppy type and one of whom is a lavender goth. They are also sisters. Uh, I deeply hate that Mary and Shelley call Junior little master. This makes sense later when you realize who they call master. Yeah, it does. It yes. it makes sense. There's a reason for it, but it's one of those things where the lore might have a reason for it, but it doesn't fucking justify it. It's so funny, though, because of Mary's voice. Little master. Yeah. Little master. Yeah, Mary sells it. Shelly doesn't. Right. Mary is like out of the sound of music. <laughs> The, that's the other thing is like, what is Mary's whole vibe supposed to be? Is it space milkmaid blackjack dealer or or what? So Junior is aiming to be a Western. I would have described his outfit as a black duster, not a trench coat. 
Okay. And yeah, yeah, she very much has a I think it's somewhere between ranch hand and saloon girl. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see that now. There's also no question whatsoever that Junior is fucking the entire bridge crew. This is made very obvious in all the the insinuations Blech. everywhere. Blech. No, no, no. I would say only those two, because the rest of his bridge crew are all identical realian children. Please don't say that. That's why he hates it when they call him Little Master. Uh, I don't think he hates that, though. They say he hates that. Oh, well, yet they keep calling him that. <laughs> yeah, he explicitly hates it. He's got a thing about his height. Yeah, yeah. It's just new levels of gross for me. Uh, so... However, they are on board an incredibly cool ship called the Durandal. Junior suggests that whatever happened at this disappearance, the mothership will show up soon. And so they change course to investigate the ruins of the Woglinde. We cut to Mergulus's ship. One of the council members is hailing him uh, like a, basically an informant on the uh, Federation Council. And he says that someone in Margulis's own team leaked things to uh, special ops. Thus, uh, Ziggy happened. So there's Margulis has a plant on that council, uh, the one that we saw earlier with uh, Julie Mizrahi, who's, who's, who is contacting Margulis from the meeting room, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> Everyone uses that meeting room for weird after hours crap. Julie was showing things to Ziggy in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, and then also there is a spy within UTIC who is reporting things to the Federation. So the purging of traitors is left to the councilman. And uh, when he leaves the call, Cherenkov checks in. Uh, the guy is super excited. He's like, sir, good news. I'm on a ship with the stolen Realian. I know where we're going. And then Margulis cuts him off in, uh, very bad and tells him he's going to be disciplined when he returns from the assignment. Uh, this is when our man in white speaks for the first time, telling Margulis that he is going to end up bitten if he treats, quote, his dogs so poorly. This guy shit talks the entire room and then goes, fuck y'all. Momo is mine and taking off in a custom eggs. Yeah, yeah. He calls her like, what is it, like Petit Mapesh? Uh, Mapesh, yes. I hate the, yeah. Um, we'll get there. Xenosaga way ahead of the game on realizing that French people are creepy. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> also, it's not going to be just him, come to think of it. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so... On board the Waglende ruins, Junior discovers the remnants of the Zohar emulator's presence. They find containment devices that could only be used for one of these things. They're like, well, that explains what nuked this. So Junior decides he's going to try luring the Gnosis back when suddenly a Utic trap goes off, gating in a mass of small robots. We first get to play as him here in battle. It's a simple fight designed to show off your new member and his new eggs. But when it's over, a cloaked fleet begins shelling the Gwaglinde to cover up the evidence. Junior then returns to the Durandal and destroys 99% of the fleet in one glowing-handed beam circus, where he also... Oh, gets, so cool. It's so cool. He gets purple eyes. This beam circus is also very Tomino to me. I can see that. 
the mothership is untouched, but he decides, well, we can't let it leave. And so he rams it with the Durandal, which then cues another dungeon. Ram it is an understatement here. What he says is give it a little tap. And what that means is accelerate into it and penetrate the ship's hull with our pointy ass ship's <laughs> nose. So this is the part where I was like, oh, yeah, he's definitely fucking both mary and shelly because he's like give them a little bump and then mary's like and when he says bump you know what that means and then there's an immediately ramming speed with a giant dick ship into <laughs> another ship they will call it out explicitly in dialogue in about 20 minutes time of gameplay but yeah junior is overcompensation the dude at this point in the story mm -hmm. yeah uh we are now on the utic battleship dungeon so this place is mainly a gimme dungeon to introduce you to junior you think that you're solo except that junior has a full party of three so there's mary and there is a random Realian piloting an eggs. Is it a Realian or is it just a soldier? It's a Realian because all of his crew are Realians except for Mary and Shelly. Right, 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 right. Why is it a random guy and not Shelly? Because Shelly has to be ops on the ship. Does she though? There are like 50 other Lolitas on the bridge. They don't have to be there. It's because of the psychic link thing. That's exactly why. Yeah, yeah, sisters have to be apart so that they can uh, meld with each other. They got to use that power because Junior's not just going to give it straight to Kaiser because he's nervous about that. So um, this dungeon is pretty breezy, honestly, compared to some of the other bullshit we've been dealing with. I didn't think it was too bad. Well, you kill everything in one hit. Yeah. Like Mary has an infinite ammo beam rifle. Your guy's sword chop, unless you get the lowest roll, kills them in one shot. And then like 70% of Junior, if you just do square, square, will kill a guy also. Yeah, but also like the layout of the dungeon isn't really infuriating at all, <laughs> which is nice after the Elsa. But it's also not a straight line. It, like there's enough with the like blowing up the door locks and going through odd corridors here and there and like looping back around. There's enough of that to make it not feel just like a straight line. So it's a very enjoyable yes. dungeon because it's not infuriatingly confusing and it's also not just boring. Though there is that one motherfucker who you're like, okay, I guess I'll just kill this one guy. And then he hops in a fucking eight. Yeah, that is funny. One thing I do want to call out if you are doing the segment address side quests, mm. there is a segment address here that is glitched in the Encephalon segment address 16. Uh, you cannot go do anything that requires the UTIC key card within the Encephalon environment and so you need to get segment address 16 here if you want all of them because you can't go back even though you can go back to the area that this is in huh i did not actually know Rough. that that is that is good good to know mm -hmm. yeah so uh in the middle of this dungeon uh you see a projector and screen that show the blueprints of a uh t elos or talos uh Write that down in your copy book because it's going to come up later. <laughs> I'm surprised they even mention it that early. Yeah. And I'm not super clear on why it's on a UTIC battleship, but that's fine. Yeah, so this dungeon is incredibly straightforward. There's doors that are locked. You investigate until you find the key that opens them, reach the bridge. There's some laser tripwires that'll summon guards if you don't deactivate them. But, it, you know, it's 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 pretty breezy. Oh, 
Those make me so mad. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't get the post-battle flashing. So if you're holding the analog stick when you leave battle, you immediately get back into battle. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Brutal. <laughs> brutal. Uh, I got into three fights here. Yikes. Um, along the way, Junior screws up on the bridge and activates security and the easiest boss in the game appears. It's a mech with nothing but a single counterattack that does mediocre AoE damage to the party. I killed this thing in under 45 seconds. Mary tries to hack the mainframe, and we learn she has a psychic link to uh, her sister Shelly. Junior also has a psychic link to the Kaiser, but his is apparently a giant pain in the ass because it's just reading his thoughts, and it is a lot of effort to not send the wrong thoughts to it. Uh, at this point, Mary and Shelley discuss how serious Junior gets when he's armed. A lust for conquest and absolute power and the desire to have a really big gun. <laughs> Although in his case, it's probably just a complex about his height. <laughs> but um, I do want to mention here that the bridge gets stormed and Junior does like a bullet time dive to <laughs> shoot the enemies, which is what prompts uh, Mary to say this. And uh, he actually cuts the wire to Mary, which means that they lose all the data that Utik was in the process of, like, shredding or deleting. And so Junior screws up the entire operation just to do a cool bullet time dive. Respect. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no consequences. Everyone's just like, oh, well, you know, like, never mind that a bunch of our soldiers got killed storming the ship. <laughs> Junior just, uh, you know, he's a little bastard. We just got to roll with the punches, you know? <laughs> it's incredible. The crew cleaned up all trace that they were there, and since the data is gone, they just peace out and vanish into the night. Yeah, we have achieved nothing. Yay! They do actually get a slight win here, which is they let an escape pod go, and they say, we don't need to follow that, we just need to see where it's headed. So that's their next clue. Yes. They're yes. just going to follow the gate jump on it later. But at this point, the Elsa makes port at a dock colony... And I think it's just called UMN Docs. It doesn't even have a name. Before anyone can warn him that this place hates the military because of things that happened during the Milshin conflict, Cherenkov disembarks in his uniform. Hammer and Allen form one party to look for him, Shion, Chaos, and Ziggy a second. This is a JRPG town. Buy some gear, talk to NPCs, you know, do whatever. It is less of a town than most JRPG towns. Yeah. Yeah. It is a screen in an alley. <laughs> Oh, it's got the clinic and the store, too. Yeah, the store that sells eggs, beeb rifles, and toilet paper. It's a JRPG gas station. Yes. Yeah. Cherenkov will be fine. It turns out he's a member of Organization 13. Fuck. <laughs> when everyone was like, well, they hate the military here, so maybe we should go check on Cherenkov. I was like, good, let his ass get beat. I spent like an hour and a half here shopping. <laughs> I was in and out of here in under 20 minutes. <laughs> but yeah, I spent forever here buying everything uh, because accessories are the most important things to buy because of how the skill extraction and leveling system works. Mm. Yep. But eventually you will close in on Cherenkov and a scene appears where he's getting the shit kicked out of him by random loaders. Hammer sees this and stays the hell out of it, running for help. Of note, the cutscene ends with Cherenkov's forehead flashing with an LF symbol during the beatdown. 
Yep. So when Hammer finds the player characters, he rushes us to the alley and we find everyone beaten within an inch of their lives and Cherenkov vanished. Uh, being undersells it because there's like blood splashed everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, within an inch of their lives is accurate because Ziggy straight up says we need to get these men to a hospital. They're barely clinging to life. I just want to highlight that within an inch of their lives in this case is literal and not a colloquialism. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love how much Xenosaga episode one doesn't skimp on their weird dark blood effects. Um, so back on the ship, Cherenkov is hurt, but claims the thugs turned on one another. Also, he really does not like nanosurgery. Ziki reveals he's uncomfortable with Xion, a young woman working on him, but he's okay with Momo. Not because she's less than human, but because of her pure heart. So before the cutscene ends, we see Cherenkov slip off and inject, and inject himself with something as he has flashbacks to the Gnosis draining him. So from this point, you're free to tell Matthews, uh, let's go. You leave for Milsha and a cutscene rush occurs. Uh, so Cherenkov starts having the shakes in the crew lounge. Uh, he's dropping his medicine uh, when his hand starts turning transparent as the uh, gnosis uh, effects continue to worsen on him. Shion, uh, meanwhile, uh, sees the, the little girl uh, that looks like Ellie from Xenogears. Uh, and uh, this time they have a whole conversation. The girl urges her to comfort him in his final moments, so him being Cherenkov, uh, because it is already too late. Yeah, I don't know what kind of effect they do in these cutscenes with Ellie, but this one did not play also. Oh, because you're on emulator. Yeah. Yeah, oh. specifically because I'm on hardware mode, not software mode, because I don't want it to run like dog shit. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, it's just a pretty basic scene. Uh, they're in like a graveyard, I believe. It is uh, the area on Earth where they found the original Zohar. Oh, OK. okay. You hear the dialogue, but you just can't see anything. So you're just staring at this black screen until whatever effect they're using that makes it freak out stops. I think it's applying a black and white filter that's yeah. probably applying yes. poorly on your emulator. Mm -hmm. It's like a very pale sepia filter yeah okay in hyperspace something massive drags them out of the um hyperspace column it is an armada of gnosis immediately Xion orders cosmos to deploy the ultra wide range hilbert effect yep hell yeah i love there's this whole bit about almost like wow even a big system could only be like a hundred meters and that is just called the ultra wide range one because don't worry about it Unfortunately, one of the doses is fucking massive. It is planet sized. When it takes real space form, the gravity immediately swallows the Elsa. Cosmos will tell us that it is approximately 16,000 kilometers. To put this into perspective, Earth is 12,756. That's just that's just how Cosmos rolls, you know? Yeah, uh, the only gnosis on record of this size is the one classified as Cathedral Ship. So Cosmos and all of the playable characters have landed in one part of this place. According to her sensors, the Elsa is 10 kilometers away, and near it is the Zohar emulator from the Waglinde. This is the gnosis that swallowed it, and the party sets off to find both. 
Elsewhere, Cherenkov is in a bad way. Uh, when we cut to his face, it's going between vacant eyes and horrible anime mind control pupils. He's hallucinating the planet Ariadne, which was destroyed in a Zohar experiment, according to him. And suddenly the crowds around him become a door, and when he opens it, he is standing in the middle of the Milshan conflict. Uh, he also sees in that crowd a girl uh, that is relevant to his backstory, uh, which we were not really privy to yet. And uh, I believe Ariadne is the same planet that uh, Junior and company were trying to investigate. Yes. And so it, we can put together that Cherenkov was on Ariadne. There was the Zohar emulator experiment. Then uh, he survived, uh, was involved in picking up the emulator and putting it on the Woglinde. Uh, and that's how we got to him uh, at the start of the game. Mm -hmm. Then we cut to the Durandal. In the cargo hold, a mass of monoliths are doing something. Not to mince words. They have containers for every known Zohar emulator in the basement. The ones that they have are reacting, and Junior orders them to set course for whatever is causing the reaction. But us, we are done here, because we have washed up in the worst dungeon in Xenosaga 1, and in my opinion, the second worst dungeon in the entire trilogy. Same. Yeah, I was so glad that my uh, gaming responsibilities ended at Cathedral Ship, not the Cathedral Ship. Because I had vague recollections from teenaged Kyle uh, hating this dungeon. <laughs> What's the matter with this dungeon? Is it just really long? I think it's just really long, right? It's, it's incredibly long. It's got one of the nastiest bosses. There's really no resupply here because Gnosis don't drop money even if there were a shop. And there are a lot of unavoidable encounters that you can't run away from through the geometry, too. Mm -hmm. This place is a brutal slog, and there's a reason that it is basically the only thing next episode. Mm -hmm. Well, at the end of the episode, so this is the first time where we could do party chat. Who are we rolling with? How are they configured? I'm I'm purely min-maxing at this point because at this many runs and it's like, ah, I know that I want this skill on this person. I need to upgrade these abilities. So I've been spreading the skill points around pretty evenly. Uh, Momo got all the ether points to begin with. Now they're going between Chaos and Cosmos. And Tech is kind of whoever I have in the party at the time gets it, especially since we don't have the full crew yet. Oh, yeah, weight zero is like the speed is important, but it turns out that weight is the most disgusting upgrade you could do for an ability. Yeah. Yeah. They even tell you, right? Like in the, in the tutorials, they like overemphasize speed, but like weight is dirt cheap and you will get to act twice as often if you have a high speed um, finisher. And it's on weight zero. It's like you just hit a basic attack. It's incredible. I love it. Damn. Um, I'm currently rocking Chaos, Xion, and Cosmos just because I like having both mechs in my party at the moment. Um, we'll see if that continues. Can't you reassign the pilot? You can, but in my lore head, it should be the two people who had the eggs to begin with to be pilots of them. And they will retcon lock these next game. 
Yeah. I am doing that party also because I am a disgusting min-maxer. I bought beam rifles and swords, so I do not ever have to spend money on ammo. <laughs> nice. Makes sense. That way I can continue to buy med kits and not have to worry if you take a lot of damage. Yeah, I think here I was going uh, Shion to have an eggs, uh, Cosmos because Cosmos, uh, and then uh, Momo because I wanted to do something a little different uh, than I had done previously, where I think I was rocking the uh, Shion Chaos and Cosmos party. You should try out a Ziggy. Well, I was using Ziggy previously. Because Bodyguard is multiplicative if you're using Momo already. So, like, as Ziggy levels up, the boost from Bodyguard becomes disgusting, it turns out. <laughs> uh, nice. Ziggy is, uh, to put it bluntly, a Swiss Army Knife party member in that he can fill a lot of roles. Yeah, he seems yeah. to do, like, basically everything. He also has a good elemental spread. I think the only one he's missing is fire. I, I, I definitely have a memory of being on the dungeon at the end of this game and having Ziggy in my party uh, <laughs> for, because he is very good. It is weird to me how debuff focused Cosmos is. Mm hmm. That's because she's nagging the enemy at all times. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't yeah. give a shit. Well, she's Cosmos definitely presents as like an offensive, like melee powerhouse in cutscenes, but is just like a debuff machine, actually. I don't know if the woman who can summon a chain gun in one hand and fire lasers out of her chest is a melee powerhouse. Well, in all the cut early cutscenes, she does a lot of like sword stuff and kicking. Got it. She's just good at everything uh, in terms of combat. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, that's batting Gnosis around with the side of your giant Vulcan cannon is, is a power move. Do we have any closing thoughts on this section? Overall, uh, I really do feel like this game is making good on the promise of a true space opera JRPG in ways that I haven't really experienced before. Like both Fantasy Star and Star Ocean don't actually do the space opera side of things that well. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really awesome to have a true space opera JRPG. But uh, I'm coming up against two really huge friction points. One is that the game very poorly signals how important the really fiddly upgrade menus are and what everything actually gives you within those upgrade menus. Uh, and the second is that the horny content of this game is kind of unforgivable to me. Uh, I'm personally not subscribing to the theory that Junior is actually sleeping with Mary and Shelly, but the fact that they even have a conversation about being attracted to him when he looks 13 made me want to jump out of my skin. Uh, and it's it sucks because I almost feel like it's like sub-media crit 101 to call out a 2000s anime for horny crimes. It's just that when I'm enjoying the rest of the game way more than I anticipated I would, it's really loud and rattling to me. Yeah, uh, I do not believe that Junior lays pipe, but and that's going on memory, but he's not in a union, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, he very much is. You'll find that out. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, I'm the thing that kills me every time on these replays is it takes so long to gather your full party in this game and you don't even have the cast that you're going to get in two. So the fact that it gets dragged out 
and every time you have to keep restarting development on someone because you've only used them for 10 seconds prior is incredibly grating. But hey, good news. It's not like you're going to pick up Junior and have him incredibly underleveled after you go through the biggest dungeon in the game soon. <laughs> is he really good? Is he going to be? He's, he was like overleveled in the other dungeon. Yeah, but we're just going to go through the biggest dungeon in the game. So am I? Is OK. How big is this? Are we talking like how many Neem ruins is this? If I said two, would you scream? I would be very upset. So when I said next episode is Cathedral Ship, I meant it. <gasps> Are there cutscenes in the middle? Oh, you better believe it. Uh, OK, <laughs> I'm excited about that, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm just imagining so much just only a dungeon that's that long. If there are cutscenes, well, it's fine. It's, it's, you're getting a lot of story. This is a giant point of revelations. A lot of world shaking shit happens. But is this what we find out about the Udu? No, I want to know what about I want to know what the Udu is, because the Udu is the only thing I remember about Zeno Saga <laughs> for some reason. Until we have Junior, you get no Udu. Yeah, um, that Udu that you do. I wasn't going to I wasn't going to do it. And then you did it. Yeah, look, we all can't try really hard. It's true. You know what really makes you know what really like fucking wrestled my jimmies this episode is how you cannot look at the um, the ether tree. Yes, like, I just oh, want to yes. know what's where. And like, you can't even see what's in next unless you have the points for it. So like if I have something for like this is 80 points and the other thing is 300 points, I have to save up for 300 to decide which one I actually want anyway. Yeah, it sucks. I've said a few times that I think two is a monumental disaster systems wise, but streamlining some of the character development does help quite a lot. I have to give it that. Uh. I think in terms of this this section of the game, um, I'm honestly not a huge junior fan, and the horny stuff definitely lowers my appreciation of junior because he's just, you know, he's just such a very Sue character at this point. That changes a lot as the as the game goes on. But uh, the way he's introduced is like, you know, what if you were a boy genius adventurer with super laser powers? You piloted a giant dick ship and you were surrounded by beautiful women exclusively. Yeah, my dude comes out of Westworld right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Uh, um, so the junior stuff, like aside from that dungeon being pretty solid, actually, uh, I wasn't too into Um the exploration of the Elsa was rough, uh, but I thought the general story stuff and crew interactions were pretty enjoyable here. And uh, I do like that the game systems are starting to open up, even though I completely share that criticism of uh, the progression not being transparent to the player uh, unless you're using a guide. This honestly just feels like a way to sell guides um, because, you know, JRPGs of this era especially were really big on that. Oh, I could just look that up, huh? Yeah, you really should. I, I also completely agree that, like, this is probably the best space opera JRPG series. I can't think of any others that are super good. There's, like, Infinite Space, 
uh, that DS game. That's more of like a strategy game. Mm-hmm. It's also bad. It's also kind of bad. Yeah, I think this is probably the best one. And yeah, like everyone has said, you know, Star Ocean Four really goes in on the space opera thing, but they still kind of are too Star Trek away team about it. Uh, whereas this feels like a Legend of the Galactic Heroes slash like Gundam scale space opera. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'll be quick about this because there's an entire whole other podcast if you want to really hear me savage it. But Star Ocean is the single worst sci-fi allegedly JRPG series that has ever existed because until the third game you barely spent any time in space in any of them, and you were just in a backwater-ass planet the whole time where swords were the best thing in the universe. Yeah. And fuck yeah. it. Fuck that. Well, yeah, I, I... There's some elements I appreciate with the addition of sci-fi to uh, Star Ocean 2, but you're absolutely right about, like, 99% of the game. Yeah, it's like wizardry secretly being sci-fi. It doesn't count. Right. I believe that's also a thing in Etrian Odyssey, too, right? Yeah, but that one is sick, honest. Yeah, it's really cool. That one stays more in the realm of fantasy, because the stuff there is, like, you have straight-up bio-horror Cthulhu's instead of, oh, and now there are robots. Yeah. Oh, I do have one last thing to say about this episode. If you have played the game before... All of the foreshadowing is a lot of fun. There's there's this game is very thorough in its lore cohesion, and it's fun to do a playthrough again once you know what's actually going on. Bro, they tell you that Shion knows fucking karate kicks, but they w- are not featured in episode one and that you will have to wait to see them until episode two. <laughs> I love that. It's so funny. It also makes way more sense when you meet her brother at the same time. And it's like, oh, OK. I love that Jin's whole deal is he's a weeaboo. Yeah, that's the best. Yes. I also love that the Uzuki siblings are just the two different parts of Saitan Uzuki's personality split out. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's it's amazing. Um, anyway. OK. Uh, yeah. Plugs. Uh, so, uh, as for myself, you can find me podcasting on the Emancipation Network. So this would be my podcast I plugged on here before, General Intellect Unit with Shane Kale Kelly. We talk about tech and communism, some other so- topics as well, but th- I'd say those are the main ones. We also have a Star Trek podcast, uh, Jumpsuit Utopia Uh, which is currently covering uh, Disco Season 3. And uh, we are talking about the utopian themes in Star Trek is our focus. So it's a bunch of communists uh, talking about uh, the possible utopian communist content of of Star Trek. Uh, It's a good time. Also, I am supposed to tell you on behalf of one of my partners that she loves your work and is incredibly hyped that I am doing a show with you again this week. Aw, that's good shit, man. General Intellect Unit is a very easy recommend. Yep. Thank you. I will say one last plug. Uh, I have a TRPG, tabletop RPG that you can play if you have the uh, itch BLM uh, bundle that happened earlier this year. 
uh, you already own it. Oh, hell yeah. It is called The Wind Began to Howl, and it is a two-player uh, one-shot RPG. Uh, you don't need to read it in advance. You could just sit down and play it. Uh, and it is based on Bob Dylan's All Along the Watchtower. Although hmm. you can use any version of All Along the Watchtower you want to play with it. Oh, I'm going to play this. Isn't it Blades? It is. It is Blades. Yes, it's a very simplified, fast Blades experience. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I'm even more excited now. Cool. <laughs> Check it out. I'm gonna. I can be found at hellscaper.com, a website that collects all of my myriad projects, podcasts, and works. You can find the weird little musical demos that I do at soundcloud.com slash catastrophizer, and you can find my older singer-songwritery work at stormking.bandcamp.com. For as for me, you can listen to Ryan and I's new podcast, Lightning Strikes Thrice Extreme, by visiting our Patreon at tentacle.pro and kicking in as little as a buck a month. It is this podcast, but what if it was about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO? Uh, that's all until next time when we'll be talking about the cathedral ship itself, not the cathedral ship, cathedral ship. It's okay. Once we get past this one, it's real easy. <laughs> Peace out, fuckers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Like I said up top, thanks for being a patron. Your continued patronage helps making these shows not be a financial burden without having to put ads in them. Since you're already a patron, you can help us out by reviewing your favorite shows on the podcatcher of your choice, telling a friend about our podcasts, or sharing an episode on social media. In case you didn't know, we have lots of podcasts. We have Being Jim Davis, a daily chronological Garfield comic strip recap podcast. Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Game Club podcast, Magmar Sucks, a show where we stack rank Pokemon based on how interesting their lore is, and last but not least, Boku No Stop, a podcast about anime and low-effort jokes. Thanks for being a loyal listener. We'll see you next time.